Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malakian, Editor-in-Chief of Waters Technology, and today I'm pleased to have on the show um, Roman Guinness. He is the founder and CEO of Imperative Execution. Roman, thanks so much for being here today. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk a little bit about Roman's career. Um what kind of led him from being, you know, on the trading side, uh, at the buy side, um, to now being at, you know, start up a company. Um, and so for those of you that don't know Imperative Execution, they're uh, the firm that uh, they're backed by Point72. They were launched uh, by Intelligent Cross. The dark pool uh, uses AI to change match times on a security by security basis um, to reduce market impact but that's kind of the that's kind of like the tagline of it. But Roman, let's start off with just talk a little bit about the company, what it is that you guys do, so people who maybe aren't familiar or tangentially know you, they can get a better feel. Sure. So we are a team of fifteen former traders coming from the buy side and the sell side, um, and uh, we uh, came together uh, to with with one mission. We were all passionate about. Uh, crosses in the market, improving execution at the match time. And um, uh, we all traded over over decades and been frustrated with the uh, with with market impact and adverse selection, the two biggest uh, pains for traders across the street. And uh, we we decided to to create a, a new cross or a series of crosses that address these problems. So we are product people, and we are driven by uh, uh, the, this mission. Okay. Yeah. And so let's let's take a step back because you have a very interesting, impressive background. Um, first of all, PhD in computer science from California Institute of Technology. Uh, I was reading that you have four patents. Is that correct? Um, and you have worked at the likes of. So you uh, worked. Were you were a trader at uh, Cubis System uh, Systematic Strategy as a trader there. That is the quant side of point seventy two. Okay. Um, and um, I was uh, uh, trading U.S. equities mm-hmm. there for about eight years. Okay. So let, let's, let's step. Let's take a step back here because also you've worked at BAE Systems, um, Advanced Information Technologies, and uh, IBM and uh, T.J. Watson uh, Labs as a research engineer from two thousand three two thousand five. Before you decided to start this company, walk me through what kind of led you up to that point. You know, what what kind of got you into the, what I guess from an engineering computer science perspective, what kind of most drew you into that outside once you left college, you got the PhD? Sure. So the uh, a lot of what happened over the last couple of years is a combination of a long road. Um, in in the way I look at um, uh, at the market and the way I look at the way we um, uh, we build systems, mm-hmm. uh, so my my uh, uh, my family comes from Russia. We came here um, uh, early nineties. Um, uh, Which part of Russia? Um, so I my parents are both from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in the south, um, and um, uh, and then when the Soviet Union came came apart, uh, we 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 came here, uh, and uh, uh, so I went through through end of high school, college, and uh, and, uh, and and graduate school here. 
And uh, uh, I learned to program at a very early age. Mm -hmm. uh, this was, you know, in the 80s, this was unusual anywhere. In, in Russia, it was extremely unusual <laughs> because uh, there really weren't that many computers around. And the only reason why I learned to program was because uh, my dad is a uh, famous, uh, fairly famous physicist now. Um, and Who's he, your dad? Forgive me for not knowing. <laughs> I, I apologize. I should. Uh, this is my humble opinion that he is a famous physicist. Um, okay. uh, so he's, uh, his name is Isaac Guinness. Uh, he's a professor of oceanography uh, at the uh, Graduate School of Oceanography in, in Rhode Island. And okay. um, he uh, spent his career building model, mathematical models of hurricanes and um, uh, their intensity and, where, and their tracks. And uh, one of his models is run, you know, runs at NOAA today to mm -hmm. predict uh, hurricanes in the U.S. Uh, so um, uh, he uh, was uh, a professor in Russia as well, and um, I used to hang out in his lab mm -hmm. where he was doing the simulations in the computers and uh, uh, very Telling often. you to keep quiet while he was uh, doing busy, you know, Correct. important yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of the time uh, he could only get time on the computer at the time those were mainframes at mm -hmm. night. And so um, the building was empty and I would, would just hang out and, and, and uh, mess with the mainframe and uh, taught myself how to, how to program basic and, and, uh, uh, and then fell in love with this. So the, uh, uh, so when I came we came to the United States. Uh, the very first thousand uh, uh, dollars that I earned uh, was was invested towards the, the, the computer. Yeah. And um, um, and I have always known that I wanted to to go and and get a PhD and and then uh, was it something that was natural for you? Was it, it was so when natural. you started the program, you just like. It, you know, for me, like I've I've been trying to learn how to do like very very basic coding and stuff like that, and it is a stretch for me. But for you, like and like, you know, I have friends and I've spoken with others in the industry that for them it's just kind of like it's like the Goodwill Hunting uh, story that you know Beethoven looks at a piano and he can just play, where Matt Damon's character looks at it and he sees chopsticks, but he can see a mathematical problem it just instantly hit. For you, is it kind of like that that this was just something that you were easily kind of able to pick up? You know, I started programming at such an early age, so mm -hmm. by the time I can consciously remember, it was or I was already pretty proficient. Yeah. Um, and uh, so maybe it's one of those ten thousand hours types of sure, situations. Sure. But uh, I was always focused on uh, very concrete problems that I wanted to solve. And um, engineers, I think, are wired fundamentally differently yeah. from from uh, non-engineers in the sense that we look for um, uh, we look for better ways to solve problems around us. We are essentially focused on how do I optimize this? Yeah. What is this inefficiency? <laughs> wow, this is really broken. Um, uh, you know, uh, can I build a better algorithm? Yeah. And um, uh, so for me, college and graduate school were more just getting uh, better at doing this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've always... Uh, uh, been fascinated by how many problems in the world are, are solvable by uh, purely just better better automation of something or better optimization of something. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was, uh, you know, I graduated uh, uh, Caltech in 2002, right after the bubble burst. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the this is actually was the worst year to graduate with a computer science degree because many startups uh, went belly up. 
Were you kind of envisioning kind of going into like a startup uh, thing? Like as you were Cal, as it was building up, was that kind of the idea you think for you or? Um, no. Um, so it, I, I focused uh, in my thesis work, I focused on optimization and, and distributed systems and parallel computing uh, and what is now called machine learning. Uh, and um, uh, I didn't really have any pre uh, uh precondition to which which company to work for but I was most impressed by what IBM labs and HP labs were doing at the time mm-hmm. uh, but when I graduated um, everybody everyone had a hiring freeze and uh, all the startups were were belly up so um, uh, I uh, uh, my first job was actually at Intel uh, at uh, at one of their uh, factories near near Portland, and uh, this was a fascinating experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, I am a fresh minted PhD coming to Intel. At the time, uh, Intel uh, wanted to automate more of their factory floor. Mm-hmm. So remember those guys in white bunny suits sure. walking around, yep. um, <laughs> and uh, so so Intel. Uh, wanted to uh, have fewer of those and more machines moving things around to reduce operating costs. And they sure. were so the way they were doing it at that time, they would build a new factory, and and it would get old new machinery. And it was the first year they got monorail, which was able to move boxes around. And my job there was to help automate this monorail and figure out where to deliver boxes of materials from one machine to another machine. And as efficiently as possible. And mm-hmm. efficiency was a well-defined problem then, in the sense that here is a factory. Uh, it's it's uh, you want to pump as much material through it as possible mm-hmm. to maximize dollars made. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and so it's a very well mathematical problem, right? Uh, here are uh, the the uh, uh, the various uh, pieces of equipment that have to touch this material throughout a process they call baking. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, my job was to, to to schedule where these things go. Okay. Um, uh, so after uh, about uh, nine months of that, uh, we we had a pretty good system going, and um, uh, that's when Intel gave me a pager and said you have to be on basically <laughs> all the time to to the joys to, of technology to, to babysit this thing, and I I. Um, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I at the time the the market uh, opened up a bit, and um, I was able to uh, move to uh, IBM Research, which is sure. was was a more natural way to scale uh, my interest. Uh, the uh, uh, I was at Watson for about two and a half years, and uh, there I worked on um, the. Uh, uh, and messaging systems and distributed systems and um, what is now called um, uh, stream processing systems. Sure. These were f- some of the first. Uh, uh, we were putting uh, computation into the messaging bus to uh, um, uh, to, to compute uh, you know co- various continuous functions that actually Wall Street was very interested in. This is like two thousand three, four, five. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, um, after, uh, but then, you know, after a cu- couple of years of doing this and writing papers and writing patents, um, uh, we, um, I wanted to do something even more practical. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, one of my friends was working for uh, a BAE, which is a government contractor, and um, they were working on DARPA projects. Yeah. And, and they had some really fascinating problems in network security. 
and so I, I went over there to build a real system. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, uh, so I was there. Uh, it was my first sort of foray into uh, leading a team, building a real product, deploying it, um, and um, uh, you know, DARPA was a customer, and they and they liked their products tested in the field, um, and um, so I spent I, 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 I spent a lot of my time, you know, t- testing the system that we were that we promised them to build, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, uh, so a couple of years after that, uh, uh, one of my former colleagues. Uh, 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 called me up and said, you know, um, Wall Street is the new frontier for for mathematical modeling, mm-hmm. um, and um, here are the kind of the problems we are facing. Uh, would you like to give it a shot? And so I, my first job at Wall Street was actually at UBS. Okay. So I came into what was then called Electronic Market Making Group. Sure. Uh, that uh, I think I joined around 2007. So here I am joining a. Uh, uh, coming to Wall Street, essentially mid-career, yeah. um, I don't have formal training training in uh, what you would call classical finance. Uh, I don't have a CFA, um, 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 and um, you know, I wouldn't call myself an economist. Um, and uh, uh, I'm thrust into not only the jargon, but also the, the uh, modeling frameworks that um, uh, people at the time used to, to trade stocks. And financial red tape, I would assume, as well, uh, working at a big bank as well. <laughs> well, I, I, to, 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 to give credit to the uh, EMM group at the time, um, the, uh, they were fairly uh, um, uh, independent, um, and we actually could get quite a bit done. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for you know, coming in as a junior quant uh, into a team that's been running for a number of years, it was a great learning experience. Um, and um, uh, uh, living through the crisis at the bank uh, was an incredibly uh, eye-opening experience about how markets could move very quickly. For everyone. For everyone. But in some ways, my unusual background coming into finance through uh, non-classical training in finance um, gave me certain advantages. I could look at the way people were trading um, and ask, why is this being done this way? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and the answer, well, it, we've always, always been doing this way. This is how the street models it. Sure. Um, it didn't really quite compute for me. So um, I, um, uh, so I, I uh, looked at it as a kind of an outsider. And then the more I learned, uh, learned about it and, and started developing my own models, uh, uh, I became an insider and outsider, mm. uh, and I think that is, that's a healthy perspective to um, to uh, look at the industry in general. Yeah, uh, you have to understand what's happening and why, but also ask, uh, is this really a good outcome? Yeah. <laughs> is this what we really want? It's it got to be tough at, at a big bank, you know. Like I, I hear it all the time from people, at, especially at the tier ones. Um, now you were in a specific division, but like especially like you look at something like in operations and back off mill, and there's so much of well, this is just the way that we do it. We you know many times just throwing bodies at it and stuff like that, and it's it's tough at especially at a big institution to get that 
that that will to say, all right, we're going to make a true change here at this organization and try something truly different. It might fail. We're not sure. But right now, there's this is clearly inefficient. And it, there are ways to improve it. We're just not sure how to do it yet. Did you find that to be the case? You know, kind of going, and this isn't the bad mouth, you know, UBS in any way. This is, this is true across any large tier one bank, I would, I would say. So I, you know, the... The team was fairly well, uh, in, was fairly independent um, of this, and you know I'm sure my management chain felt it um, and protected us uh, to let us do our work. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, um, uh, obviously, it all changed in 2008 when we went through the crisis and the bank uh, decided to exit market making business, yeah. um, and that's where it fairly quickly ended up at what is now point seventy two. Sure. Going from the sell side, going to the buy side, yeah. Well, so it, it, at, at at the bank, it wasn't really my, my, my work was not really sell side. Okay. It was it was market making. It was a lot like uh, quantitative okay, buy fair side. Enough. Yeah, I, I never know the trading stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you end up at point seven two. You spend eight years there. Um, one of the more respected, you know, uh, firms in the industry, innovative, uh, man would say. Um, what did you learn there? And then when did you think to yourself, all right, here there's a market inefficiency here that a company could fill uh, potentially? So at point 72, um, there are a number of teams uh, trading independently. Um, Cubist is um, um, you know, a couple dozen teams right now, uh, as far as I know. Uh, and um, uh, each team, um, you know, has a thesis and, and trades its own assets and um, builds its own models. And um, mine, uh, uh, we were essentially fully vertically integrated in the sense that we um, we built the entire technology stack ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, traded in in um, uh, what the, all the exchanges and ATSs in the U.S. And um, so in my role there, I spent a lot of my time building models to forecast the direction of stocks. Uh, we uh, also built a lot of technology for both uh, forecasting as, as well as execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so execution, I mean algorithms for order placement, okay. risk, um, as well as just system infrastructure, connectivity, um, and um, uh, backtesting. Uh, and so over the years, I, I I had to touch most of the components revolved around how to conceive what to trade as well as actually implement the trade, measure how well it performed, and then keep doing that over and over again. So you can think of the uh, modern quantitative process as a sort of never-ending cycle. Um, And um, it's a very natural cycle for engineers because we can look at uh, how well we're doing. We get graded every day by our PNL. Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, and this PNL um, consists of basically two two things: uh, did we make the right decision what to trade, and did we implement the decision well? Mm-hmm. So when I when I decided to buy a hundred thousand shares of something, um, uh, uh, you know, I could see how uh, the price moved as soon as I started executing it, mm-hmm. um, how the street reacted to this what orders um, um, in, in the visible market changed, how much did I get done? Um, and of course, you know, once I exit the position, 
uh, how, how it turned out. So from, um, uh, and I think this is actually the part that um, uh, is so attractive to the uh, computer scientists and mathematicians in this industry, that there's an immediate feedback on how well you're doing. Sure. And for those who are driven by building a better, uh, uh, better system, um, uh, there's nothing like having immediate feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you launch a product, uh, you know, for for a company, and then you you know it ships to customers, and then you you measure it by how many units you sell. There's sort of a lag in 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 uh, in the response. Yeah. You don't know if you built the right product. You don't know what they like, what they don't like. In in um, uh, in quantitative trading, the the feedback is is um, uh, uh, you know you get graded every day. Yeah. So that's what that's the exciting part, um, and um, so I love doing this. And uh, uh, what I noticed is over the years, I started spending more and more of my time on the ex- execution part of the trade. Yeah, um, execution has never been easy. easy. Uh, and uh, you know, when we talk about market impact, how much the price moves uh, away from you when when you start trading or adverse selection. Uh, which is when you know when you get filled, does the price move against you? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those are the things that I live every day as part of my my trading. And uh, uh, so when you are not doing as well as you like, you uh, spend a lot of your time tweaking the algorithm. You deciding where to send the orders, how much, uh, and measuring the response. So uh, you know a lot of the execution. Uh, optimization revolves around what's known as conditional probability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, what if 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 this event happens? What is the likelihood that the the these other event happens? So, if yeah, I sure. get filled on a bid, what is the probability on this venue at this time that the price moved uh, stayed the same, or, or moved away from me, or moved against me? Uh, so, that's uh, uh, that. Doing that well is a uh, is an enormous amount of work, yeah. and um, uh, but at the same time, if taking a step back, this is an industry-wide problem. Every single uh, trader I know, uh, uh, whether they are on the quant side or on the asset management side, um, uh, you know, is obsessed with execution because in the end, uh, the uh, what really matters to investors in our funds. Is the actual returns they got, sure, and uh, and those returns contain both our in investment decisions as well as implementation of decisions. Mm-hmm. So the difference between executing well and executing poorly um, can can have enormous effect on the end result um, that you know affects everyone with a four hundred one k, everyone with a pension, everyone uh, with um, uh, you know investment in the hedge fund. Sure. Uh, so execution really, really matters. So over the years, I started noticing, noticing that I'm spending you know, many, more and more hours of my day mm-hmm. focusing on that problem. And that, uh, in some ways, uh, drove me to, to come up with better solutions to what's yeah. that. Yeah, an engineer is always looking for, for a fix, right? <laughs> As you said earlier. Yeah, I'd be interested then. So you start this up. Um, I know that, so in December 2018, Imperative Execution had its uh, Series A funding, right? You, know, you announced your Series A funding. Um, 
going through this process, being, you know, at a buy side firm to now being a firm that, you know, is, you know, running the dark pool and trying to offer tools and services to help for better execution. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Because I'm sure that it's not always smooth sailing. So maybe for people that, you know, are kind of watching the market, trying to understand the trends that are developing and how you've responded to those developments, you know, what kind of adjustments have you had to make along the way, you know, now in the vendor community side of things? Sure. So uh, let me start a bit uh, before the funding round. Um, so I've been working on execution problems for that affected my own trading for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I became interested in um, a very engineering question. Is it possible to build a venue that helps traders match in such a way that one of the uh, the two things we optimize, market impact or adverse selection, is lower. Mm-hmm. This is a different way to look at market design than uh, uh, historically exchanges have been focused on. Essentially, it we're now talking about building a, a venue across as an optimization problem where we're thinking about what kind of outcome do we want to have after the trade, after the cross is over. This is how traders think about execution in general, Mm -hmm. but I just focused this problem on the cross itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, once formulated this way, then uh, we can bring to bear all the machinery of optimization and AI and machine learning that we have developed over the last several decades. So, uh, my epif- epiphany was really just formulating this problem in this mm-hmm. way. And then I proceeded to, to work on it and or, originally as a kind of a pet project. Uh, it was just circling in my head. Um, uh, and I worked at it for a couple of years um, purely as a thought exercise, but I did, did not work on this in isolation. Mm-hmm. I, I had um, uh, uh, you know, a number of PMs uh, at, at Cubis and Point72 to bounce ideas from. Um, there are folks in, within my network across sell side and buy side. I bought a lot of beer for a lot of traders on the street. Obviously. <laughs> to, to basically asking them, hey, I have this idea about building a cross that would try to minimize your market impact. Here is how I think it would work. Does it make sense? Yeah. Would, you, uh, would you trade on this? And I collected this feedback and I improved this product, if you will. Um, and um, by middle of 2016, I thought I had a pretty good design um, for a venue that uh, was built around the premise that we are going to uh, cross uh, bids and offers. Mm-hmm. And we're going to measure the market move after the print, yeah. and then we're going to uh, learn from it so that, that every, every trade would generate a, a data point that would go into a machine learning function, which could, could then act by adjusting the matching process. So essentially applying a uh, closed loop, uh, uh, what you call control, or today it's called AI system, measure, learn, and act uh, to a venue. Okay. Um, so th- at that point, it was a well thought out concept. And so I, um, I had an opportunity to, uh, uh, to present it to, uh, 
two points of adventures and an adventure with the steve and uh, i basically uh, said look i think i have a i have a design for a cross that can save market participants a couple of basis points in slippage mm -hmm. and um it should be plug and play uh, and um, basically all you guys and any firm on the street would have to do is just you know put it into your algo suite and it should just work yeah um and so just to give you a sense of how much it could save, a couple of basis points uh, of reduction of slippage given the U.S. turnover would be well over $10 billion a year. So this okay. is real money. Yeah. Um, and um, so we, we raised uh, funding uh, from uh, Point72 as well as a number of other buy-side firms. How, if you don't mind me jumping in, how, how key was that having, you know, it's got to be easier that you had the backing of Point72, that you came from the firm, you're there for eight years, you brought this idea to them, you know, it's not like there was some, you know, you know, cloak and dagger or anything like that, and they believed in the product. Do you feel that that really helped in the process, you know, to start to get off the ground? Having uh, institutions that believe in you definitely helps with getting the product launched. Because you can have a good idea, and, but and, it's tough and, to convince other people and having a little bit of uh, that background. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's extremely hard to convince people, but especially in a product that is driven by performance mm -hmm. and the product does not exist yet. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you have to go to um, individual traders and investors and explain to them the value proposition and believe that not only this type of venue could exist and would improve the market, that we, I and my team that did not exist at the time at all, the team that I was going to recruit, was going mm -hmm. to build it, execute it, and launch it. And um, uh, so uh, this is a, uh, uh, always a tough sell. Um, the, uh, our space capital markets uh, is complex. The issues we're talking about here, you know, market impact and adverse selection, we understand it because we live in the soup every day. Yeah. But uh, most of the world, people in the world don't know what these concepts are. And so uh, the, um, uh, but at the same time, the problem or what, in, you know, venture capitalists call it the pain point is so extreme. Uh, what, we would, what we set out to solve is something that that, that every head of trading measures religiously every day and, and tries to, to reduce. So this is why they paid attention. Mm -hmm. um, so getting uh, early backing from well-respected traders definitely got us the attention that says, okay, we should hear Roman out. We, yeah. should, we should hear his team out. And, uh, but uh, uh, I think that the, what, what really um, sets us apart in, in the beginning as well as now is we relentlessly go door to door to um, every trader, every portfolio manager, and try to understand um, uh, what problem they're trying to solve and how our products can can help them do this. Okay. Uh, this is the, you know, when I, when I used to listen to, you know, interviews with uh, Jeff Bezos or with, um, uh, Steve Jobs, and, Steve Jobs yeah, all, the, and, all the luminaries. And they would always this, yeah. say, oh, just focus on the customer. Yeah. And it sounded like such a cliche. But the reality is, and now that I've been running this company for two and a half years, 
there's really no other way to figure out what product to build. Yeah. And customers, our customers really care about the mechanics of the product. Um, so in our case, we build crossing engines. And um, what we're talking to them about, we come to them and say, look, we focus on the outcome of the trade. This is how we measure it. This is the problems that we had when we were trading. Um, you know, if you're experiencing these problems, and most likely you do in in, the, in your style of trading, then um, what do you think? Would you, uh, you know, how would this product fit into your uh, uh, order flow? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so we launched a midpoint cross, and it 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 focused on the. Uh, and the needs of of the uh, of the community that really really cares about market impact because they they tend to trade big orders. Sure. Our second product that we just launched uh, four weeks ago called Aspen uh, focuses on uh, adverse selection problem, which is f- uh, a, a major uh, uh, major issue for. Uh, orders that, that have a, a big passive component. Both products came through uh, hundreds of conversations with traders all across the street. Sure. Um, and uh, the, uh, so this is probably the biggest lesson, uh, you know, that, that Anthony, you asked me, what, what is the biggest lesson learned here is make sure you build the right product. How do you make sure? You go and ask, you brainstorm with them, and you uh, engage with them on the intellectual level. Yeah. You can't force it. You gotta have a lot of conversation. You're gonna hear a lot of dissenting views. You're gonna hear a lot, of, and that's kind of just trying to figure out where is that overlap and be like, ah, there. Uh, you talk to enough people, similar, I guess, building a story in some ways, but you know, you just hear enough people saying the same thing. It's like, oh, wait, there is actually something developing here that, that can be solved for. A lot of people will be able to articulate the pain. Mm-hmm. They will not be able to articulate the solution to this pain. Yeah. And I think this is really where um, sort of engineering approach to designing things really come across. Uh, uh, it, you know, uh, the uh, Once the problem is well formulated, mm-hmm. then it's up to us to come and say, okay, here is a machine that's going to solve this problem. Okay. Um, and so, thinking of a matching engine, a, a, a venue as a machine mm-hmm. that solves a problem, is what's new here. Mm-hmm. And but 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 everyone understands the problems really well. So uh, so uh, this is what we do basically. We okay. we 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 try to make sure that we're solving the right problem. Okay. And two more questions for you, and then uh, I appreciate you taking the time out and talking with us. But so. As you were building a team, to take it a little step back, you know, you talk about like you know, kind of starting from scratch to warn people there. So now you have a team in place. Your backgrounds, um, an immigrant, you came from, uh, you know, outside of financial services, had to kind of learn your way along in UBS Bank. What kind of employees, as you've gone through this process of building a team, you know, first time for a vendor, you know, for for a solutions provider, um, dark provider. What are you looking for? Is it for what we're building, we really need to have that on-the-ground expertise in how capital markets and trading and matching and execution works? Or is it a little bit of that blended with we got to find some outside perspectives that maybe can catch on to what we're not catching there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. So our team is um, uh, in many ways very unusual and very typical at the same time. Um Building a product in the capital market space 
in a regulated space. So our ETS, Intelligent Cross, is regulated by FINRA and the SEC, um, is very hard. Um, there, not only you have to build a system uh, that is uh, fast and, and integrates into the ecosystem of um, order management platforms across the street, it has to be compliant, um, and it, it also has to solve the right problem. Mm -hmm. um, also, there is no way to really um, uh, build an MVP of, of a venue. Sure. You can't really uh, build a, a, an ATS light or the ATS beta. It has to go from zero to one and work perfectly and never crash and, and deliver exactly what I promised. Sure. So you can imagine <laughs> uh, when, when you know, I, I talk to um, uh, other CEOs of, of uh, startups and, 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 and they ask me, I know, how often do you, do, uh, you know, how, how long did you run your beta for? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, you basically have to uh, pre-validate the concept, pre-design the product, and then just ship it. So we executed straight arrow. Uh, we we launched. We uh, so I left. Uh, we incorporated in, in September of 2016. Mm -hmm. So I left Point 72. We we raised some seed money. Um, um, I left. Uh, we we incorporated 2016. I hired my first engineers in in January of 2017, and we um, uh, we uh, started trading in the middle of summer of 2018. Mm -hmm. So basically, in 18 months, with a straight arrow execution um, I uh, uh, no pivots uh, uh, you know very you know blinders on let's let's get this 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 product uh, now what kind of people can do this um, building trading systems uh, that execute uh, uh, you know, that can execute millions of trades per day with uh, within microseconds round trip latency, um, uh, there's very few people on the street who can pull this off. Mm -hmm. So I was very lucky to um, be able to recruit uh, several vi industry veterans who are building who have built these systems at uh, uh, both on the buy side and the sell side. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I built. Uh, uh, Several trading systems. One, you know, one. Well, my first one was uh, my involvement at UBS, and then uh, we rebuilt our system several times at while well, tra trading at Cubist. So I had a view on how to build these things, and I um, tried to hire people who know who are even better than me. Yeah. So I would say in in probably the uh, what I would credit the success of of our launch and our. Uh, uh, you know, ex our execution of, of the business to date really to uh, uh, to the team that uh, that I asked to join uh, uh, that you know that I helped uh, create by hiring people into each role who are better than me in that role sure. so um, our chief engineer um, um, Alex Kirasimov is probably uh, the best C++ programmer on the street who understands matching engines like no one else. Um, uh, you know, I was a pretty good programmer. He is probably uh, uh, three times as good as I am. Mm -hmm. um, and um, um, uh, uh, Scott Grazik, who runs our business development, has excellent relationships on the street. 
Uh, he was a uh, um, head of sales for Instanet in the 90s and then was head of trading for Marshall Ways and Points 32 later in his career. So sure. on both sides of the uh, of buy side and sell side. Um, John Palazzo, who runs our broker-dealer, uh, is uh, has amazing relationships both on the buy side and sell side. He uh, was a head of electronic products for UBS for a number of years. Uh, and there's... Uh, 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 Patrick Doty, who is who is uh, building our machine learning models for the uh, uh, for both crosses, um, spent uh, 12 years at Clinton Group um, on the execution side, optimizing the algos. Um, so the um, uh, and, there, and there's a number of other people that sure. uh, that I'm not going to name, but the in each uh, each person that that joined us. Uh, made us more than some of our parts. Gotcha. And I think that is, uh, you know, again, many, many say it's a cliche to hire people who, who know more than you and better than you in, 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 what, in, in their role. Mm-hmm. Um, I really took this to heart. Yeah. And then just the last thing, we'll wrap it up, is, you know, as you've gone about this process, you know, you just recently, as you noticed, uh, noted four weeks ago, launched Aspen, looking ahead. Um, what can you talk about as far as where you guys are going to look to expand your offering, your tool set, maybe how that connects to trends that you're seeing in the market and what what um, what clients are asking for? Sure. So we are, I think, in a in a major industry shift in the uh, ATS exchange space. It happens every dozen years or so, um, and the shift is really about uh, ex- cost of execution. Uh, both, and there are really two, two major costs of execution. Explicit cost, you know, how much does it cost to, to do the trade at the venue, um, as well as implicit costs, uh, which, you know, is market impact, adverse selection. And um, uh, we see this with, you know, announcements from Memex and, and Myex sure. uh, going after the, uh, the explicit costs, um, and I fully expect them, they will announce their intentions in the first half of next year. To compress the the transaction uh, spread even more, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have been focused on the uh, on the implicit costs, uh, best execution issues. Um, these this is uh, we felt and continue to feel that these are the biggest costs for for the industry that we we know, and um, uh, uh, we think this is really healthy for the uh, for both the market. But most importantly, for the investors, gotcha. that in the end, when all is said and done, uh, by this time next year, their cost of trading will be well, well, well below what it is today. Uh, so the uh, so that's the really big industry trend that is uh, that is happening, and it's and it's going to complete the cycle very quickly. Um, uh, the the uh, when industry shifts, this is not a gradual shift. It's it's so it's been building up to this point over yeah. a number of years. But now that this is in motion, uh, we will see a um, significant rearrangement of order flow across the venues next uh, next year. Um, so we are uh, a good example of this shift. Um, uh, you know, we launched a last uh, uh, full universe last August. We've now um, uh, basically built the, uh, 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 I think according to FINRA stats, uh, uh, the, the largest independent um, ATS uh, by volume. 
Uh, we've been beating uh, uh, you know, long, long, long play participants who have been running ATSs for a lot, uh, for for many years, climbing up the ladder in the ATS space. We're right behind the bulge bracket broker ATSs who have a lot of natural flow. Uh, so and all of this has been um, purely on winning on performance, which is the hardest way to to grow a business, uh, because performance, you know, is a chicken and egg problem. You have to get people to trade to try this out, and they have to try it out in uh, with enough shares to be able to measure it before they're willing to send you more flow. Sure. And so uh, the uh, uh, there's a natural rate of, of scaling up that a new venue can, can do, especially uh, us launching with a purely dark product um, at the midpoint. Um, Aspen is, um, uh, a, uh, uh, is dark and lit venue. So uh, we started out as, as dark only, um, starting uh, first week of July, we will be effectively an ECN uh, so because we will be displaying quotes. And um, the, uh, uh, so philosophically, what are we trying to do here? We are trying to address the needs of uh, segments of the market uh, in terms of what they're trying to solve for in the, in the outcome of the trade. If you think about the, the entire trading space, you have a segment, that cares about market impact. There's a segment that cares about adverse selection. There's a segment that, that cares about maximum liquidity. Um, so instead of coming up with the ultimate cross that addresses all of these problems, we're trying to build a cross for each of these segments and, and win, win that segment. Okay. So um, we, we now have two, two products. And um, going forward, what we will continue to do is have very close uh, conversation with our with our with our clients, and um, uh, we have a whole roadmap of crosses that we have been asked to build, uh, and um, uh, it's just a question of uh, parameterizing them right, as well as uh, choosing which ones to build in what order. Mm -hmm. um, so if you listen to your customers, they will tell you what needs to be built, uh, and we are in the venue building business. Um, so. Um, uh, we will in engineer the best markets we know how. Good. All right, well, this is uh, good stuff, fascinating stuff. And uh, Roman, I appreciate you taking time and uh, all the best going forward. Anthony, thank you so much. Cheers.